Hello, and welcome back to Now Streaming, episode 118. I'm Nathan Addison. And I'm Liz Addison. And we're watching all the horror movies, currently available for streaming on the internet. So you don't have to. This week we're talking about the 1935 Lou Landers universal horror film, The Raven, which comes to us from the Criterion Channel. Always nice to see a Criterion movie. On I only there. know this because I'm a weirdo streaming fiend, but it is leaving the Criterion Channel at the end of December. Is it really? So make sure you watch it in December if you can. So you recommend it? I would recommend it. I don't know. If you like this kind of thing, let's talk about it. If you like this kind of thing, if you are a universal horror completionist and you are excited about the works of Lugosi and Karloff... Yeah, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Because, like, asking me if I recommend it is not... Um, it's a little complicated question. It's just not sufficient to describe how I feel about this movie. So, this is the oldest movie we've done on the podcast by a decent margin. 1935 sure was a different time. It sure was. And this is part of a... Um, it's impossible, I think, to ignore the context that, like, they were making these kinds of movies... A lot. ...back then. A lot. They were getting a lot of success. They were super excited about it. Karloff and Lugosi were, like, they're, they're just the greatest... Movie yeah. stars ever. Dracula and Frankenstein are both like four years before this. Yeah. And like. And they did. They did, were hits, they did but other Poe movies before this. They did the remember, Black Hat. And like they were very excited about Poe. So like. Remember that there wasn't home video. So like they would re-release Dracula and Frankenstein. Like. Yeah. Imagine like, if this was like, the only the way you could movies. see yeah. Carla from the ghost is you're like. I ha- they either have to show me the old movies I've seen before. Or they got to make a new movie ASAP. So I can see them do more things. Yeah. So the other. The other. Edgar Allan Poe. We should. The Raven is a poem by Edgar Allan Poe. We, yes. did, we should start there. If you don't know that, if you didn't go to middle school, this movie doesn't really have anything to do with that, but it is named after it. It has the plot has something to do with it. It doesn't have to do anything to do with the actual poem itself, the content of the poem. But it's about reading the poem and extrapolating from the poem. Well, the thing I'd say is that like, if this movie was made in 1995, they'd call it The Raven, and it would be fine because they named things a little more abstractly. Oh, but you're saying like calling being like the movies that it was like frankenstein yes and dracula who were like characters yeah <laughs> and this is the raven and it's very um decades thematic. later decades later you could title a film after a literary reference in said film sure but at the time you know if you're going to go see murders at the rue morgue or the black cat right you're expecting or psycho you're get, there or better psycho. be a fucking psycho <laughs> again this is 25 <laughs> years before psycho right <laughs> so this is kind of about the poe movie i just named the other two Poe films that um, Universal had made just before this. Is there a black cat in the black cat? Is it yeah. about a black cat? Yeah. That's an Edward G. Elmer film. That movie slaps. I'll have to watch it someday. It's really good. It's also a Criterion Channel. It there is not is, leaving. You have more time. To be fair, there is a raven in this movie. You see it several times. The last line of the film does also feature a raven. The movie, ravens abound. Ravens, there are, there are multiple ravens. It's, it's just not it's about not a man like the, lusting after the Lenore. The villain is not, that's true. Yes, it's not about Lenore. Although, it is kind of about that. It's absolutely not. We'll get into it, but it's absolutely not about a man who wants Lenore. Interesting. This man does not want that. This man, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. All right, so, <laughs> uh, we did a Boris Karloff movie. Yes. Uh, 20 episodes ago? I don't even know at this point. The Terror? Yes, that was a year ago. Right, so... It was a year and, like, three months ago. That could, who knows how many episodes that no. ago that was. Less um, than 20, I think you... It's we cute. talked a little about it's him. It's cute that you think we do 20 episodes a year. We talked about him and his legacy and the, you know, the long shadow that he leaves over, especially the early mm-hmm. days of horror cinema. Mm-hmm. Bela Lugosi is mostly best known as Dracula. I mean, like, the reason anyone does a... 
I'm saying this for the benefit of our listeners who might not know, but like Ivan Tusak, Yablad, they're just yes. doing a Lugosi impression. Lugosi. That has nothing to do with Bram Stoker. That's just a. When I think about Bella Lugosi, I think about him doing that that um episode of the Wild Thornberries where he plays an imperson like a vampire impersonator. Have you seen this episode of television? Is what you're saying true? It is true. I don't believe you. I'm looking it up. All right. <laughs> Bella Lugosi uh, was alive when the Wild Thornberries was on? I think so. I always thought it was him. If it's not him, then it is someone doing an impression of him. But Bella I thought, Lugosi, I thought it was Real quick, him. real quick, real quick, real quick. Before Liz gets this, Bella Lugosi is a man who was born in the year 1882. So I do not think he was in... The Wild Thornberries. Hmm. I can tell you when he died, but I can tell you it's before the Wild Thornberries. Yeah, he died in, 50, in 1956. So there was just an impression of him. You know what he but died before? Psycho. That's insane. He was in, not he was in, someone did an impression of him in the Wild Thornberries. It might have been Tim Curry doing that impression, actually, now that I say that. Um, that makes a great deal of sense. But it was about, it was like, it was very much an homage to him and was like about a dracula-esque character who turns out to be like a you think that he's a vampire because he's talking like bella lugosi sure. and then in the end it turns out that he's just like an impersonator it was very a very dark episode of television which is probably why it imprinted on me so hard um but i loved it very very much and uh that's what i think of when i think of bella lugosi another thing i would say to anyone who wants to know more about bella lugosi i guess is uh the tim burton film ed wood Features oh, Bella Lugosi yes. in a prominent role. Basically, that movie is great. It's a great film, and it's a fictionalized version of what actually Bella Lugosi did at the end of his life when he was sort of strung out and not making as much money anymore. Is Ed Wood came and found him and was like, hey, will you be in my schlocky movies? And they were friends, and it was very touching. Um, let's talk about The Raven, I guess. They're amazing. The two of them are amazing in this movie. They are... The reason this movie was made... It literally opens with a card saying Karloff and Lugosi. Yes. You know who they are. Did you notice that on the on the credits card, um, Karloff just says Karloff and Bella Lugosi does say Bella Lugosi? I'm pretty sure the Karloff thing was also in the terror. I think Is that, that true? Like, I think he was just billed as Karloff. Well, Bella Lugosi did not like that very much. I'll tell you that. He felt like he was being overshadowed? Yes, and he was paid half of what Boris Karloff was paid on this movie. So he That's crazy. was very unhappy. They paid him $5,000. They paid Boris Karloff $10,000. All right, I want everyone to know right now um, whether or not you're actually going to watch this movie. If there is a reason to watch this movie, it's 100% because of Bela Lugosi, not Boris Karloff. Bela Lugosi rules in this movie. I would agree with you. I, I love him. Because he is the lead by, oh, by a huge margin. So it is weird that it was split up that way. But um, yes, there was a I lot of there was a lot of turmoil about that. Bell Lugosi is the reason why I love Bell Lugosi in this. Anyway, a woman is driving. She sees a sign that says "Detour." This causes her to lose her goddamn mind, and she drives off a cliff. <laughs> and then she's unconscious. No other injuries, just like unconscious fluid in her Head brain injuries, is yeah. what I was kind of guessing. That's usually why you need surgery if you have like a concussion, is because there's fluid pressing into your brain and she's not going to wake up. No. So her father goes to a claim. Her father, Judge, Judge Thatcher. Yes. His daughter's name is Jean, Jean Thatcher. He goes to Bella Lugosi's character, whose uh, name is Dr. Richard Volan. It is indeed. And he's a neurosurgeon and he's retired. He only does research now, but um, Doc, Judge Thatcher convinces him by just 
And a couple other doctors. Massaging his ego horrifically convinces him to come out of retirement to operate on his daughter. Because she he's the best neurosurgeon ever, and only he can save her. And, I mean, this scene is great because, one, we cut to him. He's reciting the Edgar Allan Poe poem, The Raven, to another man. And this man is like, yes, we want to purchase your Poe collection. We don't know what this means yet. We'll find out later in the right. film. But uh, he's just a Poe enthusiast. Yes, he's obsessed with Poe. Uh, and someone comes in and is like, well, you have to do it. Like, you're the one who can save her. And he's like, oh, no, there's plenty of doctors who could do it. And they're like, uh, Cook and Hemingway and Holden say you're the only one. To which the Lugosi responds, so they do say I'm the only one. <laughs> in his classic Lugosi There accent. are so many one-liners in this. He's just so, I'm sorry I would belabor this point because I really think that, like, this is my takeaway from this movie. He's really funny. His he lines are fun. funny. His deliveries are funny. He plays such a maniac. I mean, spoiler well, alert. Specifically, but specifically, like, he's an absolute, there's no depth to his character whatsoever. He's just crazy. He's insane. And he's, they let him be really funny and being so crazy. I agree, they do. So anyway, he's very happy to be flattered, his ego massaged. He's like, all right, twist my arm, I'll do it. He saves her. Immediate cut to, one month later, Gene yeah. is lounging by the fire in mm-hmm. his house while She's he plays the fine. organ. Yeah. Incredible. She's obsessed with him. Uh, you're not only a great surgeon, but a great musician, too. Extraordinary man. Almost not a man. Almost a god oh yeah and then what's uh, the line that he says that i absolutely loved a god with uh, the taint of human emotions a god with the taint of human emotions just he's been tainted Blech. i didn't like hearing him say it to be honest with you the word taint or just uh both yeah both yeah. the word and also him saying it was just very disturbing which is supposed to be he's truly out of his mind and she does like a little beautiful ballet dance for him she's like that's his it's a special surprise in yes. fact that she does like a ballet a Poe-inspired ballet. A solo interpretive dance routine. It's just her and then a man in the background writing on a desk. Poe wrote on both. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and it's like the surprise performance. She calls it like a, is it an ode to Poe? The spirit yes, of Poe. spirit of Poe. Just, I, I guess, t- to thank him? Yeah. You know, as one does. As one does. When your neurosurgeon That's saves your I life. That's how I thank everyone. You prepare a dance performance for mm-hmm. them. And her dad is like, oh no. <laughs> Bad news. I'm going to um, get in the way of this ASAP before it goes any further. Oh, for sure. I mean, like, again, reasonable response. This yeah, guy yeah. is crazy. He's again, crazy. Like, he's a lot older than she is. Like, it's not a good situation. I'm fascinated to our listeners who, like, don't watch movies from the 30s and also aren't going to watch this movie, which is fine. Not understanding the weird energy that Bela Lugosi puts, like, anyone. It doesn't matter if they're obsessed with death and ravens the way that this guy is. You don't want your daughter dating this guy. No, like, no, no. he's wild. He's he he has a very bad energy even if he was like even a little bit more normal than he is like he's got he's he's got a threatening vibe and he sounds like bella lugosi and it's just not the man you'd want for a son-in-law at all my favorite part of the scene where uh i'm gonna do this a lot my favorite part of the scene where the judge thatcher goes to him to be like hey you gotta do the right thing stay away from my daughter you saved her once save her again from yourself is that Lugosi, or v- Volin? Volin, yeah. Volin. Uh, I just think of him as Bell Lugosi. Yeah, I know. That's that's who he is. He looks like fucking Dracula. We're going to refer to them, I think, as Lugosi and Karloff, because yeah. they don't really have n- yeah, names yeah. or immaterial. Says, uh, you triveling fool, stop talking. <laughs> and to say stop talking to someone in the middle of their like line, it feels so that's contemporary. That's his vibe. It's that's so who funny, he is. Though. It is very funny. 
I do think there's like, we'll talk about this more later, but I do think there is a very specific, it was a, it was an interesting thing for me to learn when I started watching old movies where I was like, oh, there's like, we think of old movies and the culture of that time being very separate from who we are now, but watching movies like this, even as unhinged as it is, yeah. and movies like All About Eve, that was like one of the yeah, other yeah. times I felt that way, where I was like, oh, people always been like this. Yeah. Like, there's just a... People have always found this very specific kind of humor very funny. There's always been this kind of like... I don't know. There's just something about it that's like, it really reminds us that we have always been people <laughs> like yeah. throughout history. It's just very interesting. And not to keep beating this drum, but I think that like, for anyone curious, the Universal Monster movies, I think, do a great job of this. It's been like the Black Cat or like James Whale's The Invisible Man. Like a oh lot of the way God, they talk movie is, fantastic. is still the way people talk now. And it's like, yeah. it's funny. It's scary. It's like really human. And it does yeah. not feel like it was almost a hundred years ago. Not to distract from the Raven, but like watch <laughs> The Invisible Man. That movie is fucking incredibly funny it's so funny it's actually very similarly like yeah. just an unhinged man yes. wreaking absolute havoc on everybody in his path and that can be very fun to watch if that's what you're in the mood for i mean i think the invisible man is a better film than this but i think the invisible man is a masterpiece and this is yes. good this is good yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i agree so back to the plot yeah a guy named ed bateman well just really quickly okay. she is gonna marry a different guy she's gonna marry volan's assistant his name is jerry Yes. He's more her age. He's matched for her very perfectly. Her dad approves. That's quote unquote the end of that kind of like storyline for her. Kind of. She's just going to marry this guy. It's totally fine. The only detail I would add is that originally he became Lugosi's assistant because it would get them closer and there would be a good excuse for. Yes, for him to see her. Yeah. Yeah. But now it's like she's going to marry him. Yeah. Leave her alone, etc. He has bigger things on his mind yes. than marriage to the Which woman. he is. He does say that. He's like, she is distracting me from my work. So she either needs to come here and be with me all the time or she needs to go away forever. Like this kind of back and forth is not working for me. And so her dad's like, then you'll never see her again. Goodbye. Yes. Ed Bateman. Yes. Boris Karloff. Boris Karloff. Shows up and is like, you could help me. Nobody else can help me. You can help me. And Lugosi's like, ah, you, the murderer. Escaped, I read about escaped convict. The escaped convict yeah. I read about in the newspaper. He escaped from San Quentin. Uh, and he wants a new face. And Lugosi's like, I don't do plastic I'm surgery. I'm not a plastic surgeon. Completely separate from neurosurgery. Thank you for the flattery, but like, I cannot help you. And the, uh, Boris Kolov's like, no, you, you can. You can help me. I... It's not just that I want a new face because I'm on the run. I... The specific reason that I am the way that I am in my life... The reason I am a, a, a convict and that I did oh, these my things. Leaf. People, all my life people tell me I'm ugly. He's ugly. He's got an ugly face and he needs to have it changed. For And the- what does Lugosi say to this? Why are you telling me this? I'm not interested in your life story. <laughs> <laughs> but then he's like, you know what? This could in fact serve me. He's like, uh, 10 minutes. Give, let me do a 10 minute surgery on you. And he fucks up this guy's face. He like severs a nerve. He severs a nerve so, so that like he droops. Yeah, like the basically like the is it the left or the right side of his face. Yeah, like uh, all the nerve endings in it are like totally inert. Yeah, so it's like his mouth is drooping. He's super wrinkled. Like his face is just sagging. And then the way the special effects team do this beautifully. The special effects team has like put a patch over his eye basically <laughs> and painted on a saggy eye onto his eyelid. It is... He's basically like the Phantom of the Opera. So funny. Like, yes. think about, like... 
He does look kind of burned. Yeah. Yeah. But like half of his face and then the other half yeah. is fine. What, do you, what did they do to his mouth? Do you know what they actually did? He, Burskoff's doing a great job of like, I'm trying to do it. You're going to hear it on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like relaxing the side of his mouth. So he can't even talk really normally. He's yeah. got like kind of a lisp. Um Obviously, he kind of realizes this right away when he wakes up because he can't talk. He can't talk, right? He does say, like, do I look different? But goes, he deadpans, yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, I think it's a great performance by Karloff. I think that, like, mm. obviously, like, the man played the creature in Frankenstein. So, like, he He's he got Frankenstein vibes. He does grunt too, at one point. So, and it's also, so Frankenstein. Boris Karloff is so large and lurching. Yeah. He just has that kind of like, he almost seems like he can't control his limbs sometimes when he like just sort of lurches from place to place. You're like, that's exactly how he performed as Frankenstein. So yeah, yeah I think he's got, I mean, honestly, they are playing different versions of Dracula and Frankenstein they really in are. this movie. They feel like they're riffing on those prior what characters. What they've done, for yeah. Sure. Dracula's kind of threatening, but yeah. ultimately very human kind of attitude. But like manipulative. Manipulative, like exactly. Whereas Frankenstein is just like, ah. He exp- again, he explicitly grunts that he sounds like Frankenstein. Yeah. So Volan basically is like, haha, now I've got you. Now you'll do whatever I want you to do and then I'll fix you. Like, I, yeah. I, I now have like It's like a blackmail over scheme. You, a blackmail scheme. Um, He's kind of stupid. Can we talk about how kind of stupid he is? Who? Which one? Lugosi, Volan. Uh, specifically because... Karloff wakes up and he's like, I want to like see myself in a mirror. Yeah. And if this operating theater secret chamber. Oh, we should mention this is all happening in a secret chamber. Yes. In- he's got a big house with a big secret chamber. Uh, It's all mirrors. It's like surrounded by mirrors. And uh, Karloff pulls out a gun. If you're going to like blackmail someone, you should check. Yeah. This- take their weapons. You're going to anesthetize them and like work on their face. Like see if they have a gun. I mean, he's very... As a lot of psychopaths are, like, very self-centered, very, like, um, he doesn't believe anything could ever hurt him. As part of what he's explaining this blackmail plan, he lays down on a, um... The slab. A, the slab. That is a, a torture device because it's the... Pit the pendulum. The pit and the pendulum, the yeah. Edgar Allan Poe story, where... Again, the man loves Poe. He loves him. He will never shut up about it. It, like, <laughs> locks you in, and then the, the big swinging blade is going to come get you. Yeah. And then, like, Karloff, like, pulls the lever and traps him, and he has to be like, listen, then you're going to be, your face is going to be stuck like that. Yeah, no, he's But he's got, so he's arrogant that he's like, I will literally demonstrate what it's like. Why, and why you will never let, you won't even let me die. Like, not only will you not kill me, you will save me if I'm in danger because I'm the only one who can fix your face. Can we talk about the Poe torture device thing? Yes. Why does this man think that Poe's, like, calling card is torture devices? I don't know. It's not not present. Like, there's plenty of murders, obviously. No, but, yeah, are we getting into this now, what his whole thing with Poe is? Yeah. But he just, he believes that Poe, I don't even know how to describe it. He <laughs> really says it in a very convoluted way. He believes that if he tortures, he can, like, torture the love of torturing out of himself. He is tortured, so if he tortures... There will not be torture within him. Right. He, the, to- he will the torturing to- cancels itself out. He, he says this several times, quote, the sanest man who ever lived. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If so, only he could get this torture torture as him. much as, torture others as much as he is tortured, then they will, you know, negatize each other and nullify each other and he will be normal. No further backstory of why he's tortured. 
why no, he feels this way or why he i mean again like i don't really i don't really understand the connection to poe we forgot to say this up front too this is like this movie's an hour long oh it's an hour long this it is all happening we're out. like in halfway through right now probably a little bit more there's just like there's no fat on this so like if you're no. like what is this character's motivation what's his backstory why is he like this Who there's nothing no <laughs> no one which again um, to be honest i just said like it was a complaint i kind of respect I do respect it. I mean, again, it actually doesn't feel like an hour. It feels longer. It feels like a full-length movie to yeah. me because of how much they cram into it. Um, we should move on. Yes. To the, the main... To the house party. The house party. That's actually our main set piece in the story is that he starts inviting people to the house. He invites... Um, what is her name? Jean. Jean. And... He invites Jean and Jerry uh, and the judge. Jean, Jerry, and the judge. And other and people. a few other friends. Pinky... Yeah. There's like six or eight of them. There's, yeah, there's a husband and wife. There's another couple. Harriet. Pinky. We actually don't have to get into this. No. There's a lot of them. It's it's three couples and the judge. Who is uh, Jean's father? Who's Jean's father. And Judge Doctor doesn't want them to go. They kind of sneak off and they're like, come join us when you get yeah. this, dad. Ha ha ha. And he's like, oh, fuck. They play some fun little gambling games. They have a really cute little game. This game seems really fun where like... It's basically like a bunch of horses sort of in like a merry-go-round situation and you spin it and you bet on the horses and yeah. it, it kind of just like uh, simulates gambling on horses. But I think it was really fun. It was fun watching them all do it. It's like a really fun little party game to play um, that doesn't actually involve watching like real horses right, right. race. Um, and they're chilling. They're having a good time. They're talking about Poe. They're talking about Poe because they're like we're trying to understand why are you so weird and he has to kind of explain himself, his thesis, which again, like... It doesn't really make sense, but, like, he's a genius, so he's saying it, and they're like, I guess. I guess. Sure. And then they all go to bed. Oh, they're all really scared of um, Karloff. Yeah. He comes in. He's really... Oh, he's also kind of playing the butler. That's part of, like, the scheme is that... Well, he is, like... Lugosi's servant at this point but yes he's but, like acting it too but he, he's acting it he's like do it because he puts on like a little butler costume and yeah. he's like here are your rooms and he's kind of like it's also serving that he's like unnerving them he's kind of putting them on guard yes. in a way that like makes I think I was like well he's not gonna slit our throats right yeah they're kind of it's like an interesting sort of power move that he's like yeah. you don't have to be scared of my butler and we see Jean's like big heart because she initially screams when she sees him because he's so scary looking but then she goes back to him and she's like i was only screaming because you were in my room and like i don't think that you're ugly like she's kind to him she's very kind to him it's very frankenstein (laughs) in my opinion (laughs) but you know we see her how her heart and how wonderful she is that it's just kind of him having fun in his H.H. Holmes murder castle. Yes. he one of, The thing that he can do, he does have an H.H. Holmes murder castle. It's very Haas on Haunted Hill. Very, like, very. Come stay the night levels. my house yes. and let's like do some pranks Yeah, because the big thing that he can do that is like the craziest is that, I don't remember how he gets Jerry out of the room, but Jean is eventually in her room and he pulls a lever and the room sinks down. Like to the basement. To the basement. So he just has her trapped in there fucking insane thing to do to your house truly i don't want to know the contractors who did this yeah. they were like why do you want to do this and he was like i don't know just for fun don't worry about it also just don't in think case about it i hard. have a i have a house party and there's a girl that i used to kind of like and i can trap her well he it. did lure her here it wasn't a coincidence yeah but like not that much time passed he puts them in a star wars trash compactor yeah he gets a bunch of them down here oh he puts the judge on the pit the pit and the pendulum table yeah. to kill him the slab the slab 
and he he tries to keep Jerry and everybody else away. They make it downstairs, and then he takes Jerry. He throws Jerry and Jean into the trash compactor. He's like, now you will live here forever, in love forever, forever, forever. Uh, and they're like... Carlos upset. He's like, you're going to kill that second. girl? Wait a second. That's the girl who was nice to me. And the ghost, he's like, why not? Yeah. And then they have an altercation. The gun is involved. He shoots Karloff, but he's a big, strong man. So he manages to get over. He stops the trash compactor. Yeah. He saves Gene and Jerry. He throws Volan in and then perishes from his wounds. Yes. Yes. He dies. He dies ugly. Very sad. Um... He's a criminal. He must be punished. That's, yeah, that's the classic situation. Uh, and everybody's okay. Mm-hmm. They've forgotten about the colonel and his wife. Yeah, the colonel and her, cut sleeping to them, upstairs. Them snoring in their bed. Again, <laughs> this movie is kind of a comedy. It's really funny. I actually, there, there was a, one of the pieces of trivia was that there's a part where um, after he has already sunk uh, the room, yeah. Jerry tries to go into his room and he opens the door thinking he's going to find Gene and he almost falls into yeah. like a pit, obviously, because the room has sunk. Right. Apparently, this got a massive laugh in theaters. Huge. People were dying because of him hanging, like, on the doorknob. I mean, it's very, like... It's comedic. Marx Brothers. Like, yes, it's, yes. It's goofy. Yes. This movie's goofy. Again, I think goofy. that, like, that's to its credit. Like, again, I think that some audiences in general now, and also, like, maybe even listeners to this podcast, like, would watch this and be like, this is goofy because it's from 1935. It's also goofy on purpose. Yes. Like, it is a funny movie on purpose, and I actually appreciate that so much about it. Mm-hmm. It made me laugh a lot. It was funny. And, you know, it's it's fun when you when Lugosi realizes he's gotten got. He's in the room, he's like, I'm gonna be crushed by my own little death machine, and, you know, he fi- he really yeah. feels the, the fear, the terror, as it were. The terror. I love that he says, like, yes, I like to torture. It's just like, <laughs> he's just so crazy and he's not. He's so truly unhinged. He has, I mean, he has no real, like, tragic backstory beyond just that the no. man loves Edgar Allan Poe. And he makes up a bunch of reasons why that makes him unhinged. How much do you like really, Edgar Allan Poe? he's just unhinged. What? How much do you like Edgar Allan Poe? We did, we did a I episode early on. love The Fall of the House of Usher a lot. I like uh, What Moves the Dead by T. Katie Fisher. Which is, a t- if you are interested in Poe and you're interested in retellings, please read What Moves the Dead by T. King Fisher. It's a great book. Um, I think that having the knowledge of um, Fall the House of Usher is helpful because, and it's partly because, not to get too deep into my, my own backstory, but in college, we studied Fall the House of Usher in my um, American Lit class very much based on like in, from a gender perspective and that's also what is very motivating not you know in, in some ways motivating what moves the dead and so i've always been very like interested in house of usher from a gender perspective and so that's just very exciting it, it excites me more than other edgar and poe works because i had such a great professor who taught us that lens i don't have the same connection to like mask of the red dead tell heart I'm, when we did Extraordinary Tales, that was the first time I ever saw anything with the Pit and the Pendulum. I think that story is so sick. I, agree. I love the Pit and the Pendulum. I was really excited that it like was also in this. I love Casco Montiato. Yes. Uh, I here's the reason is I asked. Dio. Is it Montiato? I have no idea. Hold on. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. The I would love. To, I mean, feel free to tell me I'm wrong. Uh, the reason I asked is because I feel like this movie gaslit me about how much I knew about Poe. Cask of Amontillado. 
That's what I said. You said Amontadillo. No, I didn't. I said Amontillado. Play, play the tape back. Amontillado. 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 I think that this movie made me... I was like, is Poe actually like a torture guy? And the answer is no. Like, no, why is he obsessed with the Marquis de Sade? A, a dude literally, who literally who wrote literally about torture. Literally loves torturing. Yeah. No, because Poe is tortured. I agree that sure. what he writes about, like, I Annabelle Lee is actually what I feel like I've known. He's the tortured best. because everyone he married or everyone in his family died of tuberculosis, and then he married a thirteen-year-old. Like, he. Oh my god! I think we talked about it on our extraordinary <laughs> tales episode. If you want to get into that, but like, his death is one of the most fascinating things in the entire world. Like, he got press ganged into voting, voting maybe, at, uh, and then was murdered. Oh my god! It's just fascinating. It's a I weird death. I love it. I love it. It's very fitting. He also, I've always had a connection to him because he has lived in a lot of the cities <laughs> I've lived in. He was born in Baltimore. He lived in Philadelphia and Boston. He just like, you know, we have very similar, well, I have, you know, we sh- we share some things. Anyway, I think that I like Poe. I'm interested in him. This is not really about him. It's about, it's about someone. It's like as if someone, I don't even know the equivalent today, but like, it's someone who has extrapolated only what they want from a work or a series of works and is sort of using that as an excuse Imagine rather than if, actually interpreting their own problems. I'm making this up on the fly, so bear with me. Imagine yeah. if Hannibal Lecter was like really into Paradise Lost. Yeah. And he quoted Paradise Lost. Or like And the movie The Silence of the Lambs was titled I mean, wait, this is actually true of Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> Silence of the Lambs is titled after a thing that he says that is unrelated to the plot of that movie. No, it's not what he says. Well, it's a conversation it's that he has. Yeah, it's clear he says. I mean, I've always thought it was interesting that movie's called Silence of the Lambs. Sure, but it makes no, sorry, you, this is my point. Yes. Is it's, that like, <laughs> it's it's just, it's titled that because of a conversation that he and Clarice have, not because it has anything to do with the plot of the film. Again, that's way rare in 1935. Correct. Yes. It's a very, I mean, it's, so it it's, it's as with, you said, it's when people start naming things Liz just made something. a face at me. It has something to do with it thematically. Yes. It doesn't have something to do with it literally. Yes. But I, I think it's even more like, it's as if, like what we were saying about Paradise Lost or like, it's as if someone is murdering and they're like, it's because I love Dostoevsky so much. Yeah. It's like, I just love Dostoevsky and I love Crime and Punishment and it makes me want to murder. And it's like, no, it's- I love no, to it, punish. No, it didn't. It You read that book and you also want to murder and you're conflating them. And that's sort of what it feels like here is that like, it doesn't really have anything to do with Poe. Again, he's- Except oh, for, again- Oh, I'm killing with the, pit, the pendulum. Well, no, you're not. Because the, again, the pendulum- that's one story that he specifically builds a torture device from. But that's even the, to my point is that like, that's not what the pit and the pendulum is. That's like no. a political story about Correct. the Spanish Inquisition. So like, no, you're not doing that. You're just making a pendulum torture machine. Yeah. You're just jigsaw. Like, congratulations. Like, you're not actually. All right. Don't say that specifically. <laughs> that's true jigsaw is much more creative also 70 years before jigsaw come on like give us a credit. imagine if jigsaw was like i just love edgar Allan poe so much and that's why i'm doing this so you're talking about how jigsaw is really just like a ripoff of the man from seven <sighs> seven is also no, about, they're the, the guy really loves the bible though. they're not traps the bible to be fair is fucked up <laughs> at least the bible is like it is instructive on purpose it is like you shalt go out and do shit. And people are like, oh, I see. And maybe they interpret it wrong. But at least the Bible is like, thou shalt do this. Edgar Allan Poe was not like thou shalt pit and pendulum. You know what I mean? 
<laughs> Thou shalt pit the pendulum. If if you bury the person you've killed, you shall put them in the floorboard so that you can hear their heart. Yeah. Well, again, that's why like their their moral stories about how killing is actually wrong. <laughs> it's like it will haunt you forever, and you will actually like. I actually think people. I mean, I haven't read all of Poe's work, but like, I think people do get like morally punished in his works. Sure. I mean, that's also the 1840s. Yeah. I'm not saying that as a good or bad thing. It's just that like, again, there are not things punished. I'd read and be like, oh, 100%, this is telling me I have to murder or, and or torture people. Speaking of morally punished, this film was uh, made in the first year, I believe, of the Hayes Code. Wow. Which- uh, Is that true? Yeah. The Black Cat, the Ulmer film that also has Karloff and Lugosi, was is a pre-code movie. Um, for listeners who don't know, the Hayes Code was basically like a Hollywood- uh, self-censorship that was like moral policing that like not only could you yeah. not swear or show nudity or whatever but also like you can't uh, like evil must be punished and also like you yes. can't it was very moral. be mean to the clergy yes uh, you can't show childbirth or you can't apply childbirth mm, I, the one I always say is like it's something about the inside of a woman's thigh like yeah. there are certain things you can show on a woman but specifically not the inside of a thigh or Something else really For people who don't know, this is why in old movies, they always show, in old TV, they always show the husband and wife sleeping in separate beds. Yeah, Uh, because they couldn't show, like, the idea of sex. The idea of sex was implied there. Not that people actually did. I mean, I'm sure some people actually did that, but, like, if you watch I Love Lucy, you think that everybody did that. They did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I I actually specifically, what were we just watching? And, oh, Breakfast at Tiffany's, as I was like, how on earth did this get past the Hayes Code? Yes. And the answer is because they were starting to get really relaxed about it. Yeah. Like, towards the end of it. But, like, at this point, early on, as you're saying, this is the first year, it's like, this is probably why um, Karloff's character dies, even though he is, like, ostensibly the hero of the moment. It's like he still killed guards at San Quentin. He has a gun. Yeah. He has to die. And I'm sure you have trivia. The only thing I know about the production is specifically that they, like, producers at, at Universal were like, you cannot show any of the surgery to Karloff. It's too gruesome. Right. You have to, like, don't show any of that. Which is why it's, like, a fade to black and then he wakes up. Right. Do you have any trivia that you wanted to share? I did. Not as much a production. There was some there was uh, some mess on production. I the one piece of trivia thing is just interesting is that Lou Landers is the director and he's like a famous director, but he's credited here as Louis Freelander because it was still very early in his career. Yeah, he, he wasn't Lou fun. Landers yet. He wasn't. That's always just crazy. I wrote in my um, notes like directed by Lou Landers or is it Louis Freelander? Right. <laughs> um, shot doesn't in, six, like shot in a, sixteen like, days. Oh, I was gonna say, doesn't this look like such a? Uh, I'm just extrapolating here. Doesn't this look like such a, like a trying to avoid anti-Semitism thing? Oh, him being so, like Lou changing Landers. it from Friedlander to Landers. I agree. I don't know that that's the reason why, but like whenever sure someone a lot of people changes yeah. a very Semitic name to something that's not, it's like, were you? Well, especially if it wasn't already changed when they like came over to America. Yeah. Obviously, that like a lot of things were changed then. Um, I think that you're. I think that's 100 percent correct. Um, yeah, there's the quote here that I have that I love um, about the PCA reviewing shots of the surgery. Uh, is that they studied the final shooting script for March 19th, and they said, we deem it necessary to remind you that because of the stark realism of numerous elements in your story, you are running the risk of excessive horror. <laughs> um, they were $5,000 over budget. Just always fun. Just like, even at even at a, you know, $115,000, hey, they were there's over some, budget. there's some cool effects in this movie, especially for 1935. Oh, yeah. I mean, again, the whole murder house itself is yeah. just very good. This is just a little Bella Lugosi fact. Um, 
and this is only reported, this is not 100%, this may be just Bill Lugosi talking himself up, he apparently did receive more fan mail than Clark Gable. Like, women loved his portrayal of Dracula so much that they were just, like, pouring fan mail through his doors. Again, might just be a Bela Lugosi. Uh, he, That's a Bela Lugosi fact. He seems like a man with an ego to me, based on how mad he was about some of the stuff about this movie. But, you know, um, it happens. He's also known to... I know very little about Bela Lugosi, but he definitely self-mythologized a lot. Yes, that's what I mean. Like, he was really, he was into himself as a figure, which is fine. He's allowed to. He is, in fact, Bela Lugosi. I believe he's one of those guys, again, and this is me speaking extemporaneously. I think he just, like, showed up from Europe and, like, and was like, well, here I am. I'm a new person now. Like, forget about everything that happened back then. Yeah, literally. Um, British film censors after this movie came out, were like, no more horror movies. <gasps> they decided to withdraw any further horror movies from being shown in the UK. I don't know when I'm that stopped. How long that lasts, yeah, but yeah. it was the BBFC. They were like, absolutely not. No. That's so interesting because obviously Hammer made a lot of horror movies, especially specifically remaking universal horror properties in the, starting in the 50s. Um, I right. think the Curse of Frankenstein was the first of those, if I am not mistaken. Uh, so that's fun that there was like a little moratorium for a while. Right. Most of this is just kind of like, there's some funny stuff. There's a lot of like connections. The village prison set that they use was in Bride of Frankenstein. Oh, fun. This trivia actually mentions that he grunts the same way that he does in Frankenstein. So does. that's just kind of like, that's considered trivia. Um, I don't know if that's trivia, but... No, but it is, like, you know, it's... Oh, you mean the movie studio that... Uh, made it? Made it, like, recycled some of the sets rather yep. than just destroying them? <laughs> sure did. Yeah, and then just a lot of stuff. Belagosi was very angry about the building. And I think that it's also interesting. This is just one of those things where it's like, they did, really did just make movies back then and just do stuff like this and make mistakes and everyone just live with it, which is that characters are built wrong in this movie. Um, oh my god, that happens all the time. It's amazing. Yeah, there's like Spencer Car- Charters and Ian Wolf, and they're completely mixed up in the credits, which is Hilarious. just like... Did not notice, because I don't know the names of those no, characters. No, no, I mean, but... no one would ever know, except the people who were... The, those characters who were like, hey! But like, Pinky has what, like three lines in this movie? Like, yeah. all the colonel does is sleep. So it's just not The woman that... says Pinky more than Pinky speaks. <laughs> She's always going, Pinky! Pinky! But it would just never happen now. Yeah. It's just so funny that they were just like... I, who played the pi- I don't know. Just write those names. We just we only have a one sheet here that says so-and-so. So just put it. That's probably right. And then they just showed it in a movie theater. It's just so funny to me. I love it. This is a particular area of interest to me, even outside of horror. But, like, folks, if you don't know, the studio era, the golden age of Hollywood studio era was insane. David Chazelle made a movie about it. It's coming out very soon. I can't we're, wait to see it. We're seeing it. it in a couple days. <laughs> uh, so here's my favorite quote. I wanted to say this because th- this movie was... As much as much panned critically as one could critically pan something uh, of this caliber, a universal horror movie, but people were very unhappy about it. Did they it. say that it had excessive horror? Yes. Well, here's... This is a, it was banned in several territories, including China, the Netherlands, Ontario, British Columbia, and in the UK, as I already said. And Shout uh, out to the, Alberta, I guess? Like, the London Times... I know. Two provinces in Canada. The London Times... Issued a report on horror films in the Raven in particular in 1935 and said, Each picture should have a purpose, preferably a high one. Should I read this in a British accent? If you'd like. 
Each picture should have a purpose, preferably a high one. Any concentration upon murder as murder can only kill the films themselves. But it is difficult to speculate as to what intention, other than the stimulation of a low, morbid interest, can be behind such a production as The Raven. Here is a film of horror for horror's sake. It devises shelter under the statement that it has been inspired by the genius of Edgar Allan Poe. Nonsense. Neither story nor treatment give indication of any imaginative control. I just think this is hilarious. I think horror for horror's sake is probably the greatest invention that, like, of all of humankind. Horror would, for horror's sake all the time. I would, I would get a tattoo that said horror for horror's Literally, sake. Literally, that's like, what I'm saying. I love it. So, like, thank you, is, thank you, British reviewer from 1935. <laughs> that's what I want out of my this movies. This is a movie that I was like, eh, mid, and then I read that and I was like. The Raven Forever. It changed film history. Horror for Do horror not sake. speak poorly of The Raven ever. Um, I love that. I can't. I. That's the best. Yeah, it's amazing. I love it so much. Uh, yeah, they were. They were just. You know, they hated it. They're very angry. A contemporary review in the New York Times said that if The Raven is the best that Universal can do with one of the greatest horror story writers of all time, then it better toss away the other two books in his library and stick to the pulpies for plot material. And um, the New York Evening Post said has, it has no more bearing on the original source than a stuffed bird has to an elephant. Oh. So everybody real mad. I do have bad news for you, which is that I would like uh, reading contemporaneous reviews to be a recurring bit in whatever accent they were written in. <laughs> so I think that you're going to be stuck doing this now. Please tweet at us if you want Liz to do a British accent every week. <laughs> Re- reading reviews from whoever did that because uh i love this i'm delighted it's really fun i don't think i've ever seen i re- try to read the wikipedia pages of almost everything that we um watch and i don't know that i've ever seen anything this fun before yeah but it is fun sometimes people do just be wrong they do just be making they're saying, very wrong this movie saying is stuff in 1935 that is just not true not that scary i no. from the perspective of 2022 i have to no, say but like it is funny i guess it's like very funny. if you had never if you'd seen two movies which is possible in 1935 that you only sure. seen two movies before um and you were like it scared you very deeply that a man could be so evil for absolutely no fucking reason a hundred percent. It's like yeah. the people who thought the train was coming at them and were like, I have to jump <laughs> out of the way. Like, like <laughs> it's that you saw something in a movie and you were like, oh my God, what if I get murdered by a crazy Poe obsessed neurosurgeon? You know, I don't know. Like people just, got, I hear you. people got scared of a lot of stuff back then that is not scary. I don't, I mean, I don't really think Frankenstein's scary, but like, you know, it's, wow. be, it's but it's good. It's a good film. James Whale good. Uh, are you ready to run the risk of excessive horror? <laughs> yes. I think we, I am always ready. Yeah. Why do you I'm, I'm scared of under, I'm, I don't want to under, uh, the risk of underwhelming horror. I exactly. want excessive horror. I want excessive horror. Pull through let, let's see what we got. That wasn't originally what I was going to say for that, but then you read that quote <laughs> and I couldn't help it. Let's see what we could spend next. How many decades removed from 1935 will it be? Yeah, seriously. Probably many. <laughs> Hopefully, many. Wow. I just I like to shake it up. I don't, I don't want to do another. 30s I don't want to do the same thing twice. That's my mission for this podcast. Uh, all right. So the roulette. So we got our next movie will be Triangle. What is Triangle? Five friends set sail on their yachts, overturned by a strange and sudden storm. Liam Hemsworth is in this movie. What? Oh my god! I'm so excited. It's from 2009. 2009. It is on Shutter. And Peacock. Sick. I love it. 
We're probably going to watch it on Shudder. On Shudder. Because we love Shudder. <laughs> I love Shudder. <laughs> Shout out to Shudder. Peacock is fine at best. It sure is. I don't want to watch commercials. I'm uh, excited. I love it. I'm it really, this, the poster's exciting me. 2009, a, quite an interesting year for movie, for horror movies. Could be really good. Could be really bad. 74 years since our previous movie. Nice. I love it. Let's see if this has excessive Just talk about how nuts that is for a second. 74. I know. Older than Christie Alley. It's beautiful. Wow, dark. <laughs> our next movie will be Triangle, 2009. And until then, you can check us out on our website at nowscreaming.com. And on Twitter and Facebook at nowscreaming. Be sure to leave us a rating and a review on your podcatcher of choice. And come talk to us and tell your friends. We love it. We love reviews. We love talking. We love, uh, yeah, come talk to us about what you think is excessive horror. Please talk to us about excessive horror. <laughs> God, horror for horror's sake. I love that so Are much. Are there, do you think there's a movie that we've done so far in this podcast that you would qualify as like truly excessive horror? I don't know that I believe for my taste there's such a thing as excessive horror. There are excessive other things that... Um, like excessive gore. Excessive like gore. Excessive, excessive yeah. like, I mean, sexual violence, obviously. Like mm-hmm, there's mm-hmm. a line where it's crossed where it's like, this is too much of this. For sure. Um yeah, I don't know that excessive horror. I don't think that I've ever been so, well, specifically scared and be like, that's too that's too much scary. If uh, if that's how I felt to me is not just scary though. It encapsulates gore. Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you think, like when when you when something? What if you say that has too much gore that you're like Baskin? Okay, Baskin. Baskin uh, is the one. When I, when I said excessive horror, I thought Baskin. Because it is excessive in every way. Do Terrifier and Terrifier 2 have excessive horror? Because they're just as over the top. That's a good question. Here's the thing. I think that what I don't consider excessive horror, because it is not, to me, is not horror, and this is not to anyone else, this is just to me, is that I don't think that things that are just gross should count as horror. And that, that means, like, gore can be gross, but it can also be horrifying sure and i think there are things that are just gross that do not fall under horror because i'm not like horrified upon seeing them i'm just like okay are we 12 sure and there's parts of terrifier and terrifier 2 where i'm like that's not scary that's not even horror it's just upsetting to look at not even upsetting to look at. i i really think that it's just immature i think that it's like wow what, shots fired what 14 year olds are like like to go ew yuck ugh. do you like, like the film terrifier too yeah me too i liked it <laughs> i'm just saying that they they actually do not come to mind first as being like i think when i think of something more like baskin um let's just for fans of the you know the podcast was a long time ago still imprinted upon my mind um as being what i would consider to be more horror because it was not just about showing me a gross thing it was about showing me a gross thing in a horrifying context that had larger deeper meaning sure it's why i think baskin for as much as it was like awful to watch was good because i was like you're doing something with it you are you are actually truly horrifying me not just grossing me out we did not like that movie because it was horrible to watch. I feel like we should revisit some of these movies. I feel like we should watch The Wailing and Basket again. And Stop like... bringing up The Wailing. The Wailing <laughs> is the opposite of what I'm talking about. Talk about under excessive horror. Boring as fuck. Um, Basket I would revisit because it is... Again, I watched it like through my fingers because it was so gross. But when I think back on it, I actually think about how like parts of it were really smart. Yeah. Maybe that'll be our first like revisit it. Revisit it. It is... That is... We're truly coming upon that time of like five-ish years you start to be like 
what have we, what, did, what were we wrong about? I can absolutely admit the things I was wrong about. Curse of Sleeping Beauty? No, I think that was pretty solidly bad. <laughs> I think that we were right about that one. Brutal. All right. Thanks, as always, to Wes Craven and to Bella Lugosi, the absolute ham. <laughs> a goat, truly. Just like a real goofball who really got off on playing the silliest possible version of the scariest predator of all time. Yeah, Dracula. his smile. Yeah. It's actually just very, it's oddly friendly. It's, it's oddly friendly. light. It's very funny. I love Bella Lugosi. He's great. He's fantastic. He and Boris Karloff are truly icons and I respect them so deeply. They really, they, they laid the groundwork for everything that we do today. We probably, well, I won't say probably, we may never do a movie from the 30s again, so I'm glad that we talked about them as yeah, much as we did here. Yeah, I love it. I hope we do a movie them. from the 30s again, but it'll probably be a while. We might, it'll be a bit. All right, until next time, everybody. Stay, Stay spooky! spooky.